Top of the morning to everybody. Everybody doing good? Well, praise the Lord. It's great to have you guys here. Uh, good morning. My name is Derek. And what's your name? Well, nice, nice to meet you all. Um, anyway, for those of you who don't know me, uh, my name is Pastor Derek. And um, uh, I'm, I'm married to my beautiful wife, Stacy. She comes in the second service. Uh, I, I, I married up big time. Um, in the South, they say... I outpunted my coverage. Uh, that's, how they, that's how they talk about it in the South. But uh, four beautiful kids and uh, pastor this incredible church called Connect. Come on, Connect, Give it up. So anyway, what a wonderful uh, worship experience so far. Wasn't it incredible? I mean, we have an amazing uh, team, dream team, kids church. Uh, the worship team's unbelievable. Um, I've said this before, but when I go to heaven, I'm coming back here on the weekends. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so anyway, cr- tremendous. Uh, I want to bring a couple of brief uh, plugs, announcements uh, from me to you. One, I want to tell you uh, just kind of a little sober moment. Um, we have uh, uh, several families in the church who uh, have suffered loss uh, recently, and um, just want you to keep praying for some people. Just you keep keep and pay attention to your worship bulletin. There'll probably be a couple more updates next week. We just couldn't get them in for the weekend. Uh, we are having a funeral actually uh, here this afternoon uh, at five o'clock here in the auditorium uh, for a family of a young girl who passed um, a week ago Monday. A 19-year-old girl was killed in a vehicular accident. Um, really sad. Her name's Brianna. And um, so if you guys would like to attend that service, we're, we're opening it up. Uh, the community will be here, so it'll be a big turnout. But I would love to just shower this family. They'll be here, the entire family will be here in the second service, um, taking up a couple rows. Um, but I want to just, I just want to flood them with love and attention and support. And so if you can send condolences, though, I think that I think it's in the worship guide, Pastor Deej. Is it in the worship guide this morning? No. It will be in there next week, but, or just look on Facebook, uh, whatever. We'll, we'll get it up. We'll get it to you guys. But um, uh, that family uh, will be here in the second service. And again, we'll have a funeral tonight at 5. If you'd like to participate, help out, whatever, just uh, see one of the Dream Team or key staff uh, after service today. A um, couple other uh, ones, too, so that uh, I just won't highlight this morning, but I do want to make you guys aware of that. Also, switching gears, um, Easter, everybody say Easter. So you guys know that's coming up. Please get your tickets. We're going to try to make those a little bit more accessible and visible to you so you can see them on your way out. Um, but please grab those. Um, this will be our last year, possibly our last year doing three services. We're going to be packed out. So I'm just asking you to get your tickets so we can prepare accordingly. We're trying to figure out who's coming to what service, and, and uh, we just want to do a great job in order to do that. We need to know where everybody is going to be and, where the, and when they're coming. Uh, it also is just a great opportunity for you to get thinking about it and preparing you know, to invite your friends, coworkers, neighbors, you know, people that you think about all the time, you know, and, th- you know, I, I keep meaning to do this and I keep meaning to ask them, or maybe you've asked them before and you just haven't got a, a you know, a, a confirmation yet, or they, they say they're interested. This is going to be your highest, most likely opportunity, most likely chance to get them to say yes. It's extraordinary, the statistics on yeses, if you'll ask them during the Easter holiday. So just get the word out, tell people about uh, Easter services coming up. It's going to be unbelievable. 
Um, there's a special treat. I just can't tell you about it because you'd probably go on YouTube and try to figure it out and who it is and all that. And so I can't tell you, but we have a special guest that's going to be here on Easter. It's going to blow your socks off. So don't miss uh, Easter this year and bring somebody. Come on, bring somebody. Anyway, um, back to Dynasty. If you are new here, you're looking at the stage, you're trying to figure out what is all this stuff about. Uh, first couple of weeks, we were all dressed up in camo and do-rags and uh, all that kind of stuff. And so we're just kind of um, doing a relationship series called Dynasty. And the whole premise was to, you know, um, it's really scriptural. John chapter 10, it says that Jesus came that we might have life and we might have it more abundantly or to the full or to the max. And a lot of times we don't see, I mean, if you look around, don't do it right now, but if you look around, you might see people are not really living life to the max. They're not really living life to the full. They're not really living the blessed life. The Bible talks about the word blessed. Blessed means what? It means happy. Everybody say happy. happy. Come on, tell your face. Happy. happy. Okay, so we, we believe that we're supposed to have a happy life, and this particular uh, show has a character on it, Duck Dynasty, uh, Phil, and his, his philosophy is that we have a God-given right to pursue happiness, and it does require pursuit. And when he's talking about happiness, he's not talking about circumstantial happiness. He's not talking about, you know, everything kind of going my way all the time, but these are, these are related to choices. These are related to uh, determinations, decisions, intentional living. Uh, it's related to values that are grounded in God's Word, and this family has certain values that are biblical in, in their basis, and, and you get to see some of them surface uh, while amidst, you know, reality, supposedly this is reality television, but where you get to see kind of how they interact and be kind of real about it. Now, we don't, you know, uh, just as a disclaimer, we don't agree with everything they say or everything they stand for, or everything that uh, has happened in the past, but there's some just awesome stuff that we've uh, just been able to dissect, and so in the first week, we kind of talked about as it relates to relationships, the heart, that everything starts and stops with the heart, that you've got to get your heart right for relationships to work right. And then in the second week, we talked about communication and conflict resolution. How many were here for that when we just talked about dirty canvases and how we all really have something that's behind us that kind of bleeds through into our everyday lives? And those things, those dirty canvases sometimes mix and merge, and, and it creates conflict. You know, this is kind of uh, not biblical, I, sometimes just to be joking, I say it's heresy according to PD, but uh, where two or more are gathered, there will be conflict. You know, the Bible says where two or more are gathered in my name, there I am in the midst. But where two or more are gathered in your own name, and then my name and my name, there will be conflict. And so how do we deal with conflict? We talked about that a lot in week two so in order to have healthy relationships. And then the third week, we went into kind of a primary relationship, and we talked about marriage. And I kind of entitled that reality check. It was, uh, it was hopefully not, um, it wasn't probably um, the most pump up the jam kind of message because I really kind of put things out there and let you know that it's tough and it's hard work. And in order to have a relationship that that uh, is successful, uh, sometimes it's not spelled L-O-V-E, it's spelled W-O-R-K. It takes some work to have a, a healthy marriage, amen? And so how many were here for last week's message? If you uh, want to get married, ever were married, are currently married, I highly recommend that you get that. That was like um, counseling the crowd service is what that was, all right? But today we're going to continue the subject of relationships once again and uh, turn to your neighbor and just say, take good notes and learn something, all right? Say, you need this. Say, you need this. 
<laughs> We're going to talk about friendship, friendship today, okay? Having friends that, that the world would envy, in a sense, because they have depth to them that sometimes the world knows nothing or little about, and, and the world's relationships are often uh, uh, convenience-focused. They, they're, they're preoccupied with shortcuts and gimme, gimme, gimme's, and what's in it for me, and, and so we're going to go a little bit deeper today, and, and, and because I think people hunger for and desire for meaningful friendships, meaningful relationships, and where they move from, and that's kind of the theme today, where we move from convenience to committed friendships. Uh, so, and, and really, that's the goal of Connect as, as a whole. You may not uh, see it visibly, but we're, we want to help people make, a, you know, see a change in their heart. You can actually have a change in your heart in an instant in the presence of God. You can literally be just in a worship service, and you can just be, uh, you can encounter God, which is our goal. We actually pray what we call uh, for an open heaven. We actually just, like, God, we don't want to have this be just like a seminar. You know, we don't want this to be just just an information, but we want it to be an opportunity for transformation. And in order for that to happen, God, we need you here. And so the Bible says he inhabits the praises of his people. So when people are loving on God, that's why we say anything you love shows, as Vanessa was saying, when people are loving God, expressing their love for God, that is actually an intense invitation to a holy God to come and encounter his people and to be amidst his people, amen? And it's in that midst, in the midst, everybody say in the midst, in the midst, that's where God is, that something can happen in our heart, and that, that, that moment is real, and it's, it's sincere, and it's genuine, and it's not to be um, minimized or marginalized. But people can make heart changes, can make decisions all the time, but life change is a journey. Life change is a, tra- is, is a, is a process, not so much a, a point in time or, or just a program. It's something that we, gonna, we wanna invite people into this journey. And so a lot of times people make decisions, but they're not disciples in that moment. Can I have an amen out there? You guys tracking with me out there? So like, you, you just don't, I, I decided to get in shape. Well, you're not in shape. Turn to your neighbors. No, don't turn to your neighbor. Just kidding. I, I, that was a joke. Just seeing everybody's paying attention. You're not in shape. So it's a journey, right? I decided today to work. Was that real? I decided to work out on January 1st in my New Year's resolution. I have every intention of doing so. I am committed. Well, that commitment's going to be tested, Right? And so that's how it is in relationships. And so we want to take people on a journey and get them into uh, relationships that can, and I say can, affect the course and trajectory of our lives. And so I believe we can, we can if we're honest, we can point to, if we look back at our lives, if we took a time out and we reflected for just a few moments, we look back at our lives, we could say some of the greatest moments in my life, some of the high points in my life were, had a direct connection or correlation to a person. Similarly, If we look back at our life, at some of our greatest regrets, we could also say it had a direct correlation or connection to a person. Somebody, you know, you you know, the Bible says that you know bad associations corrupt good behavior in 1 Corinthians 15, 33. So it's sometimes who you're aligning yourself with. I can tell you your future by not because I'm a a, you know whatever they call those people. I can't even think of the word. Fortune Fortune teller. I can tell you your future by your friendships. Because who you are is, is a lot to do with who you're doing life with. Amen? Amen. So anyway, just, these, these, just think about that. But here's a quote from C.S. Lewis. Some of you know who he is, a famous author. And he said, is, it, is, is any pleasure on earth as great as a circle of Christian friends by a fire? 
there's just something about that kind of community and that kind of connection that we rarely see or rarely have, but we always want. Most, most healthy friendships fail because, honest, honestly, because of a lack of commitment to them. And, and they fail because we fail to put time and energy into them in order for them to succeed. And, and, and we talked a little bit about this last week when it comes to marriage, you know, the before and after, you know, uh, in marriage. Just think about how you were before and how you are after. And sometimes we don't realize how things uh, eroded and how things have unraveled. And so here's our big idea today. Look in your worship guide or you version if that's where you're following. But it's, it's this. To build strong friendships, we have to raise the level from convenience to committed. We have to raise the level from convenience to committed. We have to move from easy street, convenient, and shallow relationships to establishing at least some that are deep, that are committed. And in fact, the Bible actually talks about covenant friendships with each other. And I didn't realize in the early years how important friendships were when I was growing up. I learned it a little bit later on in life after a few bruises, bang-ups, and, you know, mistakes. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Like you, you just kind of were coasting through friendships in, in you know, elementary school and middle school and high school, maybe even through college, and they were just all on a super shallow level, shallow how level. That's a movie in case you didn't know that. But anyway, uh, and, 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 but then later on in life, you realize, you know what? These are pretty important. In fact, my success in, in, my, in, in business and my success in, in certain things that I want, of achievement is related to my alignment in my relationships. Uh, businesses have figured this out. Corporations have figured this out. Culture is starting to figure this out. Sometimes the church is a little late on some of these things. But I learned later how important it was when I got into ministry, specifically the pastorate. I, I also learned a lot about fractured dysfunctional relationships. Because for the first time I was sitting, huh, huh, somebody say, mm-hmm. Because I'm sitting now, I'm sitting front and center with some people you know, seeing these problems up close and personal, and I get to see kind of what's going on beneath the hood. And, and I learned a lot about people that they had problems, and all God's children got problems, amen? If you don't think you got a problem, that's your problem. Right. So what's interesting about church people is, <laughs> you guys getting that down now. Apparently, I've done that a few times. <laughs> I like it. I like it. It's like an echo. Uh, that what's interesting about church people is they're really no different really than non-church people in some respects, even though maybe they should be in terms of not being better than, but better off because. But the good news when I, is when I was in church, I realized they were hearing the good news. You know, the good news. This is the good news right here. Amen. Uh, they were hearing that. Some of them were, were experiencing that, accepting that good news, but they still had problems. They still had dysfunction in their lives. And they, it's because they had bad people skills. They had bad um, relationship skills, and it was affecting everything and everyone else, just like it was for everybody else. And it, it was kind of like the good news was they were going to heaven, uh, uh, but the bad news is they weren't going there fast enough. You know what I mean? You know, the, you know those people? You know what I'm talking about? You know, I'm, I'm, thinking, I'm thinking something I can't say right now, but... Uh, one time one person said to me, uh, Derek, I can't believe you just said that. And I said, you'd be even more impressed if you knew what I didn't say. <laughs> but anyway, um, there, there, are these, there are these high maintenance people in our world. And, and so we start, we're, we're going to start talking about committed relationships. And whenever we start talking about committed relationships, we immediately think about these people that we don't want to be committed to. They just kind of come to the forefront of our mind. I read this book 
uh, by Les and Leslie Parrott, their, their marriage specialists. We've read many of the books. Uh, our, our, our leadership has read many of the books over the years uh, in terms of uh, enrichment and training for marriage uh, counseling. And anyway, they do this little survey. So let's do this little survey together. If you recognize or know someone that uh, I, it, you, you can identify with this particular word that I'm going to give you, just raise your hand if you know of someone you know, they, they come to mind, you know, you don't, don't say their name, but just raise your hand if you, if you recognize the critic. Anybody know, like, the critic, okay? Um, constantly complaining in your relationships. Uh, they, they, they give you the, they're the ones that give you the unwanted advice. Um, you know what I mean? They're less, it's crazy. The, the, the way some people complain, you, you think they, they, they get paid for it. You know what I mean? It's like a job. It's a profession. What about the martyr? Anybody know the martyr? You know what I mean? Like, this is the victim. Uh, they're racked with self-pity, um, you know, they kind of whimper, um, nobody knows the trouble I've seen, you know, they're singing that song, and they're like that guy in the, the last row in the land of Lilliput, you know, with his knuckles, you know, we're doomed, we're not gonna make it, you know, and Gulliver's, come on, you know, and that's the guy, you know, he's kind of at the back. Well, I want you to see a little bit of that martyr in our, 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 one of our favorite characters on Duck Dynasty, Uncle Sai. Sai's gone mad here, and I want you to see what, what Sai's behavior's like and kind of, kind of how they handle Nothing gory here, so everybody can keep your eyes open, okay? All right, you can kill the lights. Let her rip. Okay, I'm on my way. All right. Oh, sh you idiot. Nothing. You're going to pay for this. No. Yes, you are. No. You are. No. No. <laughs> Where's Sai? He's at the doctor. He's sick? No. After y'all had your wreck. Sai will say anything to get out of work. The fact that he fakes an injury doesn't surprise me a bit. Major collision, Jack. Sai's trying to make a point, and Willie thinks he didn't do anything. Sai, get off that thing. I can't. I got back damage. He does this every day. He comes up with some excuse to not work. Back damage? Yeah. You got brain damage, you idiot. I've got residual nerve damage in my back. You ain't got no nerve damage, son. Hey, the doc said I did. Sai has a get-out-of-jail-free card. When he pleads temporary insanity, it's always true. Just a long man on his scooter. So when he goes to a doctor, they say, yep, you're insane. We all know you're faking. I got to clear my head. Get the pizza junk. The pizza junk. What's a piece of junk? Stupid knucklehead Willie. When somebody gets mad, they do crazy things. You now have a crazy man that's mad. You definitely don't understand nothing about being old and everything you got is going south. I mean, he's on a scooter driving down Main Street. I'm hungry, I'm tired, my back's killing me, my hemorrhoids are flaring up. <laughs> At the end of the day, I don't want anything to happen to Si. <laughs> and he has a way of getting out and getting himself lost. That thing's got a steering wheel go around. Act like they ain't never seen a man on a scooter before. Yeah, go around me, idiot. Kind of like a lost puppy. Hey, I skipped from the old home. Don't worry about it. But an old stinky man with a nasty beard. Oh, my gosh, <laughs> look at here. Si, is this about your bumper? About the $600 scratch on it? No. Why would I be upset about something like that? If it's about your bumper, I'll buy you a new one. Right. You got it. Hey, I thought you were going Hey, drive this thing careful. <laughs> up, up, and away, trigger. <laughs> oh, Lord have mercy. Everybody knows the martyr, right? So... Now we're familiar with that. Then you got, you got the wet blanket. That's like the pessimist, you know, super negative. When they go to heaven, you know, they're going to find dust on the streets of gold. I mean, they're that kind of a person. 
The steamroller. How many know the steamroller? They're blindly insensitive to other people. They just plow through people, barrel over people, don't even feel that they're hurting people. Then you got the gossip. Everybody knows the gossip, you know. The one that spreads rumors and secrets and kind of passes things along as prayer requests. <laughs> then you got like the control freak, you know, the, the inability to, to let go and just let it be. And you got the backstabber, their two-faced, the cold shoulder person. They, they disengage and they avoid people in contact. You got the green-eyed monster who's just envious of everything you have and they want it. They'll, they'll try to get it if they can. And then there's the volcano. Oh, my. Oh, my. The volcano. You never know when they're going to blow up and for what. And something's brewing beneath the surface. And, and it's building steam. And, and then you've got the sponge. They take and they take and they take. And they never give out. And they just keep on taking. And you've got the competitor, the one who always keeps score. Anybody know any of these people? Raise your hand, you know? All right. You know, and as, as I'm giving these different descriptions of these different personalities, I believe faces are coming to the forefront of your mind, to the windshield of your mind. You're like, you're seeing some people and, 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 and huh? You know, you're, how many of you know someone in any of those categories, you know? You know, you know them. And, and, you're, and, and you're thinking to yourself, well, if, you know, if, if I had known, you know, this, if, he, if, if I known he was going to talk about this, you know, I might have invited some of those people to church today, you know what I mean? And you could sit right here in the envy seat, and you could sit right there in the, in the gossip seat, and you could sit right there in the competitor seat. And Anyway, uh, it's incredible because this message is for, for those, obviously, who couldn't come today. I mean, isn't it, isn't it fabulous? Isn't it just fabulous that... That has everything to do with them and nothing to do with me. How y'all doing out there? Everybody doing okay out there? I mean, the truth is, if you think you don't fall in one of those categories, we don't need this message. We need therapy. We need therapy. I read this story about a guy in a hot air balloon. I just want to have a little fun this morning, but this, this is a cool story. It's, it's a man in a hot air balloon, and he realized that he was lost. And so he reduced his altitude, and he spotted this woman below. And he descended a bit more, and he shouted. He said, excuse me, excuse me, can you help me, ma'am? I promised a friend that I would meet him an hour ago, but I don't know where I am. Well, the woman below, she replied, she says, you're in a hot air balloon hovering approximately 30 feet above the ground. You're between 40 and 41 degrees north latitude and between 59 and 60 degrees west longitude. He says, you must be an engineer, said the balloonist. I am, replied the woman. How did you know? Well, answered the balloonist, everything you told me is technically correct, but I have no idea what to make of your information. In fact, I'm still lost. Frankly, you've not been much help at all. If anything, you've delayed my trip. The woman below responded, you must be in management. <laughs> I am, replied the balloonist, but how did you know that? Well, said the woman, you don't know where you are or where you're going. You have risen to where you are due to a large quantity of hot air. <laughs> you've made a promise which you've no idea how to keep, and you expect people beneath you to solve your problems. The fact is, you are exactly the same position you were in before we met, but somehow now, it's my fault. <laughs> is that awesome or what? <laughs> 
We all meet people like that. Uh, the culture we live in has a lot of hurt people. You know what? This is a principle. It's not in your notes, but hurt people hurt people. Hurt people hurt people. People with dirty canvases that don't get those things under the canvas kind of cleaned up and worked out, they hurt people. And what happens is it's like a splinter in someone's hand. You can come up to them. You can begin to talk to them. But no matter how you touch that person, it's very, very sensitive until the splinter gets pulled out. Isn't that true? That's why it's so important to, to be a part of an environment or in, 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 in community or in connections where people are helping us work through our issues. Get the splinters out. Because those splinters are not just hurting you, they're hurting a lot of other people in the process. And as a result, there's this tendency to avoid relationships because we see hurt people. We want to stay away from them, and, and so we minimize the importance of relationships instead of engaging them. Because actually, there's no return without risk. So there will be some relationships that hurt you, but there can be some relationships if, if we do our due diligence, if we're intentional, if we apply biblical relationship skills, just like we were talking about last week, plus, you know, realistic expectations, it equals not only successful marriages, but successful relationships. But a lot of times we don't want to risk being hurt, and so we avoid committed relationships altogether. Here's three levels of relationships. The first one in your notes is surface friendships. Everybody's familiar with this. It doesn't really need a lot of explanation. It's exactly what it sounds like. It's people you see and hear, here and there, at the counter, at the grocery store, you know, uh, you know down at the post office. Like we, well, we used to do that. But, you know, and you're just like, hey, how you doing, buddy? Hey, my father always says, Partner? <laughs> you know, when, when, uh, when I got married, um, my wife is from the South, and we would go down South, and extremely friendly people in the South. Uh, how many from the South? Raise your hand if you're from the South. Okay. Like, only like three people. God bless the South. Let's give it up for the three South people. In this. <laughs> okay. So when we went, uh, when we would go down South, I remember when we first got married, everybody would be like, hey, Derek, you know, let's get together. Like, come on. We want to catch up. Let's catch up sometime. Let's get together. And, and I'd go home, and I'd think, these are the friendliest people in the world. But if I, if, I, if, I, if I responded to all these people that said, hey, come on, let's get together. Come on, let's catch up. I want to catch up. Let's get together. Then I'm going to never have any time for my wife and for my family. There were so many. I couldn't believe how friendly these people were. These people are unbelievably friendly. Let's catch up. Let's just get together. Yeah, let's do lunch. And I later found out, as a more practiced uh, visitor to the South, that actually meant absolutely nothing. <laughs> meant nothing. Uh, hey, let's get together, you know. In fact, I, I learned how to mess them up because if you say, if anybody does that to you and they say, hey, let's get together, if you say when, that'll just freak them out. Oh, oh, well, hey, I meant sometime. Catch ya. Catch ya. Catch you later. Which I, you know, sometime. When? Ooh, you know what I mean? Scared me. How many have a face you're looking at now? Anyway, <laughs> number two, uh, structured friendships. So we have surface friendships. Second one is structured friendships. These are relationships we encounter continually. They might be work, sports, you know, activities, different things like that, programs that you've signed up for. We get together, in other words, for a reason, for a cause, for a purpose. Sometimes these are 
I think the beginnings of the next level of relationships, I am a strong proponent of structured uh, relationships. I think sometimes we engage in structured relationships for the sake of progress. I think a small group starts as a structured relationship. We're asking people to get out of one circle, big circle, whatever, kind of big community, and move into a smaller community. And, and sometimes we don't want to do that because it's a little scary because those people are not my people. I don't know those people. And so I used to do this with my kid. My daughter, she wanted to learn how to play a sport. She wanted to do gymnastics. I said, you want to do gymnastics? Let's go. We go to gymnastics. We get into the, the, the business. We open the door. All these kids in there. She looks around. I don't know anybody. So then she turned around. She just kind of run over to me and not want to leave. She just like cling. Me koala bear, you koala tree dad. Mm. And I'm like, turn around. Get in there. I don't want to go in there. I don't know any of those people. I don't care if you don't know any of these people. We're here because you want to learn how to do gymnastics. Go, you know? And so, so we have to just kind of push through that phase uh, of awkwardness, the aki-aki moments of that whatever, for the sake of progress. Does that make sense? Yeah. Kids, are, kids and adults are no different. Adults are doing the same thing. I, those aren't my people. Do you want to grow? Do you want to have a more successful marriage? Then get into that marriage group. Do you want to have a more successful uh, stewardship of your finances? Then get into that finance group. Do you want to learn how to be a better mom? Then get in that. Is everybody getting something out of this, what I'm saying right now? Sometimes we do it for the sake of progress. But that will lead towards the next relationship, and that's called solid and secure friendships. Surface, structured, solid, and secure. These are committed, sometimes and eventually can become covenant relationships. These are built on these are built on love. Now, there's different types of love. I won't do a whole thing on this because there's no time, but in the, in the, there's different, uh, there's Greek words to describe love, eros love, that's kind of attractional, romantic, sometimes sexual love. There's phileo love, that's brotherly love. That's what this is referring to. The highest level of love is agape love. It's unconditional, selfless. It's what Jesus did for us on the cross. He demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. In John 13, when he kind of took off his robe, got down on his knees and washed the disciples' feet, he was demonstrating agape love before, even during, and after he did that for us. And so that kind of love is really what committed covenant relationships look like. They're deeper than structured. They're certainly deeper than surface. And I had a pastor in my life years ago. He said, you'd be lucky, Derek, if you had in your lifetime three friends like that. Just three. I thought that was kind of cynical, but it's true. There are a few like this, but these, these can change your life forever. You know, I was thinking about a story the other day when I was reading my my Bible, and First Samuel, it talks about uh, Jonathan. Now, Jonathan, you know the story of Jonathan and David and how they were, their friendship. You know, Jonathan gave basically his rights to the throne to somebody who wasn't even in the family line. It's incredible. But David had a servant, uh, an, uh, a servant that was with him one time, and, and um, they, Jonathan picked a fight, basically. And this particular servant said, uh, whatever you want to do, uh, you know, Jonathan, I'm with you heart and soul. That, that kind of... That kind of uh, connection or commitment in relationship is really, really deep. And I believe it's what God wants for us. I can remember I wasn't there one time in a friendship that I had with a particular individual. Many of you know who he was or is. And uh, his dad died. And he was in Texas and I was here. And I can remember I had a really young family, just my son, my wife and I. And uh, we were, you know, we didn't have a lot of resources and money. And I can remember when he died and talked to him on the phone. And, and uh, I just remember having this 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 conflict with economics and relationships. 
you know? Like, I can't afford to go there. And, and it took me many years later to realize I couldn't afford not to because of how important relationships are. There's some things that supersede, you know, um, economics, let's just say. And they, certain, some, there's just certain relationships that are incredibly important. And we, we fixed that and we improved that. And I can remember uh, in a particular trial in my, in my life, a really big one I don't have time to tell you about, nor do I really want to tell you about it, to be honest with you, but some people uh, are aware of it. But I remember... Um, going through this really difficult time, and, and the first person I went to was him, and his name is Paul, and, uh, I, and I was just a mess. I was a wreck. I couldn't even pray. I said, he said, we need to pray. I said, I can't pray. I can't pray. He says, don't worry about it. I'll pray for you. I got your back. I got your back, and there's way more, way more to that, uh, but without him that day, that month, probably that year, I, would, I wouldn't be here today. Certain friends are like, they're major. We need them. You need them, but there's requirements for them. I can remember living on this street, you know, uh, Pleasant Street. Years ago, we had a house down the street here, and uh, we were living uh, down the road, and money was tight, and we needed to do some repairs on our house, and, and uh, it desperately needed to be painted. And, and a good friend gathered some friends that are actually in this church right now, and while we were away, um, they, they got together, and they pooled their resources, and they fixed some of the problems that were going on with the house, and they painted the entire exterior of our house while we were gone. And I remember coming home, and uh, like it looked like I had a brand new house. I remember pulling up, and, and I, the, the kids got out, and, and Stacy got out, and they're all like running around, like little Indians around the, you know, like, you know, just having a great time. And I couldn't get out of the car. I short-circuited. I probably cried, you know, for 15, 20 minutes, just thinking, why? How do I, how do I deserve this? Who? Who? Oh my, how could, how could I have had just better friends? And, and some of you know what I'm talking about, and some of you don't know what I'm talking about. Where you get to a place in your relationship where, you, where it's way beyond convenience, you know, what's easy, what's convenient. It's, it's definitely a whole other level of commitment where people are in essence saying, I won't leave you, I won't forsake you, uh, you know, I'm your friend for life. And I have, and I have friends like that that are in this room. And, and, and I feel rich because of it. I mean, your, your wealth is connected to your relationships, not to what you have in your bank account. Because you can't, there, what's in your bank account is, is not eternal unless you do it, use it for eternal purposes. And so the Bible teaches us, number one, that few friends are actually true friends. Few friends are actually true friends. And I just encourage you to be a friend like this to others, and you'll have them in the end. Uh, Proverbs 18.24 says, Friends come and friends go, but a true friend sticks by you like family. Proverbs 17, 17 says, friends love through all kinds of weather. You can t- your friends, your relationships will be tested. By the test in your life, you'll see who your friends are and, what, and if you're that kind of a friend. I had a friendship that was tested, and, and, I, and I failed it, but he was such a good friend that he saw me through it. Now we had, we had a stronger friendship because of it. Number two, friends will speak truth to you. Friends will speak truth to you. Friends will come into your life and love you so much that they love you too much to leave you the same. In fact, this is, this is to me a high component uh, ingredient of a committed or even covenant friendship is that they'll risk even your rejection because they love you so much that they'll tell you some stuff that you may not want to hear but desperately need to. My dad used to say this. It's a real simple thing, but he used to say, friend, a friend will tell you your breath stinks. You know, you need a Tic Tac. 
you need to zip up your fly right now. You know, whatever. You need, we need friends on that level, but we need friends that will also go a lot deeper and help us see the, you know, the splinter in our eye and point out some of the things that are wrong. And, and I think even better friends invite that into their life. They give permission for people to poke their finger around, so to speak, in your eye. True friends endeavor to wrap the course truth in love, as we talked about a couple of weeks ago, merciful truth versus those truth terrorists. But Proverbs 27, 6 says, the wounds from a friend are worth it. Kisses from an enemy do you in. Number three, friends refresh us. Friends refresh us. Friends refresh us. They give. They replenish. They revive. They're life-giving. Proverbs 27, 9 says, a sweet, a sweet friendship refreshes the soul. Friendship sharpens one another. Number four, friendships sharpen one another. They add value to you. They stimulate you to growth. My friend and I, Paul, we had eight characteristics of a committed friendship. We wrote them down on a piece of paper and kept them in our wallet for probably 15 years. But one of those uh, uh, ingredients was we stimulate each other to growth. You know, what are we doing that's adding value? What are we doing that is causing the other person to grow? Because in our relationship, when we were in college, we didn't do anything that stimulated each other to grow. We had unconditional love, we thought we did, without relational conditions. I think the best form of love is to have unconditional love. I love you no matter what. I'll always be there with you. But uh, there's relational conditions. I am going to challenge you. I am going to stimulate you to grow. I'm going to get up in your face, in your grill, if I have to, to keep you from doing something that is harmful to you or to others. We used to brag about sinful behavior to each other and call that unconditional love. That's not good love. Love would just say, hey, 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 I love you. I don't, uh, I accept you, but I don't agree with what you're doing and I want you to know about it. Does that make sense? Unconditional love with relational conditions. Proverbs 27, 17 says, you, you, you use steel to sharpen steel and one friend sharpens another. Here's a summary of relationships. It's totally an oversimplification, but you can write this down somewhere if you want. But you are either a plus person uh, or you're a minus person to people. You're a plus person to people or a minus person. I mean, in other words, I'm either adding value to you or I am subtracting from you, life from you, value from you. I'm either making deposits or I'm either making withdrawals. Are you getting what I'm saying? This is so key. You know, you know people who are minuses to you. They just kind of, I don't know, they just kind of walk in the room and you can feel the air leave. It's like, you know, it's like life is, is going out and you find yourself braced and you find yourself poised. And, and you know what I mean. There, there are others that come in the room and you can just feel life come into the room. It's just the life of the party. I was at a party the other night, and I, I, I saw her at the back somewhere. But uh, this, this girl, Michelle, she's just, she's just, see, she called her right out. See it? Isn't that great? I could count on it. I could count on it. I could count on it. I love being around Michelle. I, don't need, I just could be on her perimeter, just in the peripheral of Michelle. She's, she's crazy fun. She's filled with a lot of life. Anybody know Michelle? Yeah, Michelle's just fun. I'd like to be around Michelle. She just, energy, life, air just come at, comes back in the room. But, but you also know, it's so funny that she did that. You also know that you can get that phone call, you know the one, you check the ID, and you're like, uh, I'm not home right now. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I, I'm just not home right now, you know what I mean? And uh, because they're minuses to you. There are, there are others where you get a phone call, and you could be in an important meeting, and you'll step out. To take the, excuse me for a second, I'm just going to take this call. Hey, what's up, brother? Ooh, 
You know, and you totally change from, you know what I mean? Because they add, there's so much life in there. You know what I'm talking about, right? Here's the thing. I, I, I think there are minuses in our life, and they don't know it. They don't know it. I don't think they wake up and say, how can I really mess some people up today? How can I suck the life right out of somebody's soul? How can I brain drain as many people as I possibly know? No, they don't realize it because we're all selfish by nature, aren't we? We all had this, this, you know, we live for the motto, what have you done for me lately? You know what I mean? We're just, what am I getting out of this? What am I, but more, but the more selfish we are, the more pain will eventually come into in the relationships. The more conflict will come into the relationships. Ultimately, the more isolation we come to into relationships because of selfishness. So the opposite, it's got, it's got to be part of the answer. I know this, if you're going to have friendships that are secure and growing, you're going to have to, you're going to, have to serve people. You're going to have to commit to, to relationships because of this natural selfishness. And we have to renew our mind with God's word. We were talking about this in small group. All my guys in small group say hoo-ha. We recently learned something. It's simple, but it's totally profound. But to overcome a bad habit, we just have to replace it with a good habit. Romans 12, 21 says we overcome evil with good. And so if there's something that we're doing that's bad, it's just you have to you have, to have countermeasures for that. And, and to change behavior, we have to be proactive or intentional so that we're not in this reactive, selfish living. We have to be proactive, selfless living. And I don't know about you, but if you look back at those last four points, how many of you want a friend like those last, po- those last four points? You know what I mean? Refresh others, you know, build each other up, all that kind of Of course, we all want a friendship like that. Everybody wants. That's, that's not a, a relationship question. That's an IQ question, right? In John Maxwell's book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws, he calls it the law of magnetism. Here's a quote from the book. It says, we attract who we are, not who we want. Think about it. We attract who we are. This is so critical. In other words, what kind of people do you want to be around? You want to be around the kind of people that we just mentioned already. But if if you want want to be around people who are are wonderfully life-giving, that they have great character, that they have a great attitude, or, you know, in business, they've got an incredible work ethic, that they're leadership, they have a life-giving nature, uh, they're disciplined, blah, 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 blah. And if you want all that, then I had one time uh, a guy say to me, you want all that? I said, yeah, I want all these. He says, "Are, are you one of those people? then are you one of those people, Derek? Because if that's not you, you're not going to attract people like that. Got quiet in here, didn't it? Because you, 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 know, you attract who you are. You don't attract what you want. You attract who you are. So to have committed covenant relationships, it starts with me. It starts with you. So here's two things I want to tell you. Committed friendships means, number one, being the right person first. To have committed friendships that bring those things in your life that you want so badly, you have to first be the right person. We must grow. We must make a determination to get better. My small group's called Getting Better because it's been a theme for the last two years of my life because there's a default towards not getting better. Life is motion. We don't stay the same. I'm just treading water right here. No, you're not. You're sinking or you're swimming. Life isn't like that. We have to keep moving. We're like sharks. We have to keep moving or we suffocate. But who we are determines how we see others. How we see others is how we'll eventually relate to others. If you think about your relationship with God, your relation, you may not think about this very often, I have, but if you, if you think about that, your relationship with God is directly related to your relationship sometimes with your father or your parents. How you see your parents is sometimes how you see God. How you see God. 
But who you are determines how you see others, and then how you see others is going to determine your relationships with others. So we have to start backing up from that by changing, because the only person we can change is not my parents or not my father, not my mother. The only person I can change is me, is me. I remember years ago, Stacy and I were doing a marriage retreat, and, and um, it was early on kind of in our marital ministry, let's just say, and, I, and we opened it up for Q&A. Little did I know that was a mistake, and... and um, this, this late, my wife was up, we were doing a little panel thing, and my wife was up at the front with me, and this, this particular lady asked my wife a question. And when I, heard, when I heard the question, honestly, I kind of, at the time, I wouldn't do so much now, but I kind of puffed up inside. I was thinking, hmm, you know, I didn't really want to do this, but that's a good question. And so she said, does, she said, does Derek make you happy? And I thought, hmm, you know, again, this will be good. After all, I'm a fabulous husband. You know? <laughs> However... Immediately, I'm, when I say immediately, I mean without hesitation, no reservation. It was as if this thing had been planted, as if this question she'd been waiting her whole life to answer. She, she basically said, no, he doesn't. And, and, I, and it immediately got real quiet because, after all, this is a marriage retreat, and I am pastor. And, and, I, and, I, and I thought, you know, I waited for a second, and I looked at it. I was kind of like, honey, uh, you know, explain yourself. You know what I mean? <laughs> You're like, you have some explaining to do. And so have you ever asked someone to explain themselves, and after they explain themselves, you wish you hadn't asked them to explain themselves? So she quickly responds. She says, she says no problem. She says, no problem. Uh, so she proceeds to tell the lady, I came to realize early on in our marriage that my husband could not make me happy. And then she started giving all these different examples, and she just, you know, uh, and, 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 and she said this, you know, you don't, you don't need the gift of discernment to know this is going down really bad. You know what I'm saying? Like, I learned really early. He never, okay. So she proceeds to tell me, you know, tell this woman all the different scenarios. You know, uh, you know I call in. She was hoping that we'd have dinner together. She makes a meal, and I call in, and, you know, somebody had, you know, got sick, and they go, I got to go to the hospital. I got to visit so-and-so. And, and then, you know, one night we're going to do something else, and then she had to stay late to grade papers. And she, she just realized that there were all these things that were opposing the, the, the perfect world, the utopian world that, that she had hoped for and wished for uh, on marriage. And, and basically she said, I expected him to make me happy, but one thing after the other would interfere with that, ministry things, etc. and he would keep letting me down. It was really going bad. And then and, and things kept happening and happening. And then one day I came to the realization, or I would say the revelation, that the only thing that can determine my happiness is me. Philippians 2.5, you know, have this attitude that was in Christ Jesus. That means you can have this attitude, that it's a choice. And the moment she said, I took responsibility for my happiness, listen to this. She said, Derek began to, began to add immeasurably to my happiness. Whew, it got better after that. You know, I was like, <laughs> thank you, thank you, thank you for fixing that. So the point is you got to be the right person, and it starts with you, not anyone else. Number two, committing time and energy to friendships is so critical. It's so important. All relationships need cultivation. We talked about this last week, the, the gardening principle. Consumer, are you a gardener? It's not just a marriage principle. It's a life principle. The gardening principle says all relationships need time and cultivation to be successful. And if the relationship is failing, then a gardener looks at the tree and says, that tree needs water. That tree needs fertilizer. That tree needs some weeding. You know what a weeding is? Weeding means you need to have a couple of key conversations in a relationship. 
Like you're, there's some things you've been avoiding and so some weeds have popped up. And the thing is, a lot of times we just cut the weeds off from the top like the dandelions and they grow right back. We need to take some time and get to the root issue of why those weeds are surfacing in our relationship. Sometimes you need mediation to be able to have effective conversation. Sometimes, and the Bible has patterns for that, Matthew 18, Matthew chapter 5. It's a lot of things in there that tell us as Christians how to work through some of the problems that we have in our relationships. So gardening is a lot more than just, you know, saying nice things to people and then walking away and hoping it's okay. No, it's a lot more than that. Sometimes it requires some weeding as well. Can I have an amen out there? Because time and energy is a big part of this whole thing. It's like the difference between marriage and dating. You know, in dating, it's in dating, think about guys when you were dating the, the girl of your dreams. It's all about them. I mean, it is all about them. You know, you open the door, you know, you get, get, shower them with gifts, you pay for everything, even though, even though you have nothing. You have nothing. You just swipe it, just hoping, you know, it's all going to work out at the end. Later on, the women have a black belt and MasterCard, but in dating, the man has a black belt and MasterCard. Zorro, just keep it charging. And we open the door, and, and we tend to their needs, and we speak kindly, and what can I do for you, and how can I serve you? And it's incessant. It's sometimes comical. It's just, yeah, oh, my gosh. You know, and, the, and, and then the fiancé, she'll call, and she'll say, honey, 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 oh, my gosh, I, I, I totally forgot to get my dry cleaning. And, and, and would you be able to go get it for me on your lunch break? You know, the only 45-minute break that you have over the course of the day. Would you be able to go get it for me? Because I forgot, I forgot to get it. I, I don't have time to go back there. Sure, sugar, sure. Sugar, all kinds of sweet names we have. I'll get it for you, even though you have to go all the way back down Route 9. It's going to take 45 minutes. You're going to be late to work and jeopardize your job. And, but you don't care because you're going you're to play Barry White there and back just thinking about her the whole time. And... You know, so, so stupid sap. You just, you just, just totally, just overcome with just how sure, baby. Sure, I'll do whatever you want, whatever you want. Kiss, hug, hang up. You know, and you do that. And then after marriage, two months after marriage, two days after marriage, you know what I mean? I see the train are coming. <laughs> Things are gonna get bad. You know what I mean? Then it's like, you know, what's the matter with your memory? You know what I mean? Did you break your leg? I mean, like. We, 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 everything, it all, it was all about you before and it, it, nothing about you afterwards, you know what I mean? It, 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 you, you, you could ask the same request and you just, you know, you think it's totally different. You know, can, you can wear that shirt tomorrow, you know, all that kind of stuff. <laughs> Maybe you should have wrote that down before you left. All right, so relationships disintegrate when we don't live intentionally committed to them. Let's wrap this up with just two things. God has two desires for your life as we conclude. Number one, he wants you to have friendship with others. He designed you as not an independent being. This would be news flash for some people. Certainly not as a codependent being, but as an interdependent being. In other words, he wants you to have relationship vertically first, above everything else, Matthew 6, 33. But he wants you to express it, practice it, work it out. This is where the discipleship comes in. This is where the training comes in. This is where life really happens is on the horizontal level. And that's where, that happens in friendships. He designed us for relationships. He looked at Adam and said, <laughs> he, I guess he saw Adam down there just naked running around with a pair of scissors. I don't know. He just looked at him and just said, it's not good for him to be alone. <laughs> he said, it's not a good idea. We, we, need to, we need to do something about that. The Godhead spoke. There's three of us. I mean, we got to get somebody down there quick. 
So, and, 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 and truthfully, I think that's, we're created for relationship. That's why we come to church, is to, is to begin that journey of establishing relationships. This isn't just about, you know, the Bible says, forsake not the assembly of the saints. In your notes, it says this, of ourselves together, as in the manner of some, but exhorting one another as much as so much the more as you see the day of the Lord approaching. We're supposed to be doing this more and the more as God's return becomes more and more eminent. We're supposed to be getting together. But this big meeting is only a, it's only a stepping stone to smaller meetings and connections and community of people. I have an adopted, uh, well, I had a grandfather when I was young. He was an awesome grandfather. Um, we used to call him Tink. But uh, he passed when I was young. And then my grandmother, she, she had a boyfriend. and His name was Eddie. I used to call him Mr. Eddie's father from the show. And um, he became like an adopted grandfather to me, Eddie. And he was awesome, just an awesome man. I actually had a stronger relationship with him in some respects than I did my own grandfather because of my age. But um, he, he was a total people person, loved, loved, loved people. He especially loved my grandmother. He was a totally committed friend to my grandmother. They had a, they had a filet relationship. They, they kept it that way during the entire course of their uh, at, uh, up to the end of their very lives. And my grandmother, she could be a little chippy. If you knew my grandmother, she's a little chippy. That's a nice way of saying she could be a little ornery. She can be a little difficult, uh, be a little negative sometimes, a little cruel, different times, whatever. But he just, he can love her through all that. I just love that about him. I just thought, what a perfect gift for my grandmother Eddie was. And I remember my grandmother one time, she was stressing out. We always had people over the house um, at my grandmother's house, and she was having a party, a gathering, or whatever, and, and he wanted always to be the first guest there, because he always wanted to greet everybody as they were coming in, just make them feel like a million bucks, and he was the host, and uh, he was just that kind of a person. I remember him telling me, Derek, you know, um, I love people more than you can possibly imagine, and, and, and I actually, he said, Derek, I actually love people more now than I did 20 years ago. Isn't it amazing that as you get older, Derek, you start to love people more? And I said, Eddie, that's not true. <laughs> that's not true. He's looking at me like, what? I said, that's just you. And, and, I, and, I, and I know a lot of people, as they're getting older, they're not necessarily getting better. Maturity doesn't always come with age. Sometimes age comes alone. That's good. I, should, I need to tweet that one. That's a good one. Um, Eddie, Eddie understood friendship. He understood it. He knew it started with him. He knew he had to initiate. He knew how to make the commitment. And he lived better for it. He was happier than all the other people that were waiting for the what have you done for me lately's because he was living for what can I do for you today. The next thing is that God wants you to have a relationship not only with others, with friends, but he wants you to have a relationship with him. And, and it's amazing to me that God would want a relationship with sinful mankind so much that he would leave heaven and come to earth, that he would live here on earth as a man, that he would die a horrific death to be able to show and initiate his incredible love for us, Romans 5, 8 tells us that he demonstrated his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, he died for us. We sometimes need a love that, you know, is there in our darkest days. We need a, we need a love that is there in our, in, our, in our most difficult moments. And I'm just here to tell you as we conclude that that, that love is found in God first and foremost. Did none of the other relationships work until we have the primary relationship working right. Only he can meet our deepest need. Only he can satisfy the, the longings in our soul. And, and in and through life, we need, we're going to need to give it. But in order to give unconditional love, we first have to experience it. Will you stand to your feet and let me pray for you as we conclude today?
What's awesome about God is that he stands at the door of our heart and he knocks like a gentleman. Scripture talks about that. If anyone let me come in, let, let me come in. Listen to my voice and let me come in. I will. I just wonder if there's anybody here that God wants or that you want God to make that connection with you. Would you just close your eyes as we pray? Father, every person that's in this room that struggles in relationships, that struggles in their friendships, I think there are people here in this room that say, I don't really have any friends. I think there's instruction for you, sir, man, boy, or girl, to be that person, to be that friend, to have that friend be that friend, to initiate, to selflessly serve, to commit, to give. The reciprocity that you're looking for sometimes setting you up for failure and for disappointment. Just give, expecting nothing in return. But if you continue to sow, you will experience true and lasting friendships. But most importantly, for the one that's here today and just hasn't connected to a friend that sticks closer than a brother, that's Jesus. You've never done that before. You want to make that connection to Christ. If you know that's you and you know he's knocking on the door of your heart and you want to make that connection with him today, would you just raise your hand and just say, that's me, Pastor. I want to raise... I'm going to raise my hand boldly and just say, I want to make that connection with Christ today. God bless you, my friend. Is there anybody else that says that's me? I don't want to miss that. Is there anybody I'm missing? Good and high. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Well, he cares about you. Even, even sometimes when you're not ready for him, he'll, he'll be waiting. He's like a lifeguard. He's on the beach, and he's waiting for you to recognize that you can't swim alone, that you need help. And I pray that he'll give you the space to come near to him. Church, would you pray this prayer with me? And sir, if you would just pray this prayer along with me. Say, Jesus, I invite you into my heart today to be my closest friend. Above all others, I choose you. I thank you that you chose me even before, even before the foundations of the earth. You had a plan and a purpose for my life. And it started when you gave your life for me. So now today, I give my life back to you, willingly, in Jesus' name, amen and amen. God bless you guys. Can you give the Lord a big hand clap all over the room?